front. Carnes, he might be able to create something here. David off. Jackson finds Sparrow. Sparrow finds his boot. Nothing doing. Broad, a little fumble too. Now Fritch. Fritch on his left. Fritch kicks the goal. Dawn stands tall, calls for it, offers a half lead. Fritch will now work back towards the square, heads in the Fritch direction. Lots of movement inside 50 from the Melbourne forwards. He gives it over the top to Petrarca, and he kicks the goal. Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the rollercoaster ride that is barracking for the Melbourne Football Club. This episode is proudly brought to you by our sponsor, Hop In Brewing in Lillardale. My name is Tim Simo, once again, undefeated. How are you going? D's footy. D's footy. We're enjoying it, aren't we? That's we all are. I can say. We are. We are, yeah, we're enjoying being the hunted. And look, the, the, our best is still yet to come, mate. And look, it's just exciting. What a what an amazing night it was Sunday night. Obviously, the result was one thing, but we sort of spoke a little bit last week about the, you know, like the feeling and the atmosphere that Anzac Eve has now become, like it's become such a fixture in the AFL's, you know, program, but also for Melbourne fans. And we discussed last week about how much it's an event that we look forward to. It's something that we spend our family with. And unfortunately, I wasn't there with my family due to due to COVID as well, which is piss poor timing in that sense but yeah what what an amazing night and you know really really ushers in a really nice uh well a nice way to spend a pretty momentous occasion part of australian history but what was your thoughts on that obviously we caught up we managed to get get a beer before the game and it was good to have a bit of a pre-chat about it and caught up with the boys from pressure point as well too which was awesome so but before heading into the game, but yeah, what was what was your thoughts on the atmosphere? It was great being part of such a huge crowd again, first time for a while. Yeah, I think I think it's awesome having those big games because you know probably in the past, um, you know, yeah, as soon as your Collingwood's, they take you know full reign of that, and obviously when Melbourne started doing the Queen's birthday, now for the Anzac Day Eve, I think you know being able to showcase that we can we can actually get a really decent crowd and a good showing there's you know, just going leaps and bounds. I mean, what was it? Just over 70K yeah. um, on Sunday night. So, you know, again, strong showing and, you know, putting on a good good show um, minus the 9.22. But um, <laughs> Getting in terms of playing good footy, oh, yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Already telling you what I'm pissed off. Nah, you know, our spirit within that game, it's, it's pretty unreal. And I think, you know, within my game as well, when playing on Anzac Day now, you just get a little bit of 10% extra and having such a big game and such a momentous occasion can only strive and help the boys um, get the best out of themselves. Well, they didn't give up, that's for sure. Even as you already mentioned the wayward kicking, it was certainly something that, yeah, it didn't really discourage them at all to keep on trying. It was really one of those games that, yeah, pretty ugly probably from a neutral point of view, I would I would have thought. And it was uh, very much like Richmond kicking the first couple of goals of the game and, He's just hammering on the behinds, and Richmond did pretty well to absorb a bit of pressure in that first first half of the first quarter, really, and spent a fair bit of time kind of just trying to get out of our defensive fifty. But in the end, we're, as Jonesy put it on the on the commentary after I was rewatching it, you know, the damn wall burst, and the, you know there was just mm. no stopping it. It was just, as I said, relentless footy and. Great to see the D's just have like, again, third quarter, just a, you know, mini momentum swing and uh, yeah, everything sort of all broke loose and that was the game right there, which in all honesty, you know, like the 22 point margin at the end of the day, it's 
flat as Flooded Richmond. Richmond. It's flat as like, Richmond. It really definitely. could have been ugly for him, I think. Yeah, like even rewatching it as well because it is different when you're watching it from the broadcast point of view. It, yeah, it very much could have been a 12, 13 goal victory uh, if you know if, if a few more had sailed through the middle of the sticks. So, yeah, interesting game. But as I said, the atmosphere was just fantastic. It was uh, lots of Richmond supporters around. I don't know about you, but I was I was certainly mm. surrounded by a fair few vocal Richmond supporters. One. One who was uh, quite a number in front of us decided to start pointing to the scoreboard at about the 15-minute mark of the first quarter and and uh, was telling us, you know, there's a few of us mates that I ended up catching up with. I had no idea they were going. It was great. It was a great surprise. Caught up with a couple of mates I haven't seen for a long time. And anyway, this Richmond supporter proceeded to tell us that, you know, wait till, uh, wait till Melbourne's won three flags or anything. <laughs> it was just the funniest thing to uh, to be saying, right, you know, right at the beginning of the game. And anyway, towards the end of the quarter, he, uh, or to, sorry, towards the end of the game, he ended up getting marched out by a mate of his because he just had no legs to stand on. <laughs> he yes. wasn't winning any arguments there. So that was that was a bit of entertainment. So, but no. Funny, funny you say that because I actually had a bloke sitting behind me, my sister and her family. And he, he was actually, funnily enough, in the wrong seat, but he was just gobbing off at everything. He's like, oh, you guys have done... Yeah, one nothing. I mean, I mean, we've won one flag. I mean, I mean, that's still something, isn't it? <laughs> and then just you know, progresses to say, "Oh, sit down, you dickheads!" Like you know, what are you cheering for? You down the scoreboard, and then, you know, I'm so happy someone came about. And luckily enough, they it was traded for a Melbourne supporter. I'm like, oh yeah, great trade. Oh, mate, that guy. I I reckon there could have something. A blue could have happened because he was doing yeah. my head in. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy that changed. But yeah. <laughs> We've gone Let's from, get back to the footy. Yeah, Let's go back to the footy because... Complaining about umpires to complaining about Richmond supporters. So. Richmond supporters. <laughs> oh, well, you can see that, you know, I mean, they've had their time. So hopefully that dynasty or dynasty, whatever you want to call it, has finished. Or dustiny. I don't know what you, what they've oh. been calling it. But anyway... <laughs> Tiki train's gone. No, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> let's let's talk about something else pretty big that's happened. That's only just come about today with uh, Goody, Cos, Jackson and Sparrow going into isolation with COVID, which is a pretty big story in itself. I mean, the good the good signs lead to with coaches with COVID, they're five and zero at the moment. So I'm hoping we keep that trend going. The coaches, oh, so the the, the assistants that have so had to the step, step ins, up. yeah, so the step ins have come in, and what better way for Adam Muse to debut as a senior coach against Hawthorne? Yeah, his old <laughs> his old fitting, side, which is uh, <laughs> kind of fitting, isn't it? It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be, and yeah, it's going to be an awesome game. I think we'll go on it later about the inclusions for Cos Jackson and Sparrow, which yeah, you know, are going to pose a bit of a question, and it might cause a bit of a shake up, obviously, with that that ruck combo, which, you know, we possess with Gorn Jackson. Like I think um, before we get into too much detail, but I reckon Weeds takes that, takes that role. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens come selection time tomorrow. All right, Zemo. Well, we've got to talk about the things that we loved about the game. We're going to cover that in our next segment. Credit to the boys. Back into the game. So um, it's real credit to the boys. Um, I think it was on uh, all of us to step up and, and, really lead from the front and I thought we did that all day so we want to play our way just go after the boys all right Simo well despite the uh, wayward goal kicking we're not worried about that there was plenty still to like about the day's performance again showing that we can still win regardless of other things not going particularly our way but you know, another number of strong individual performances and the Checker Hughes medal winner you know is given to the best 
judged the field. And Clary had just an absolutely crazy game. I just think, again, he's, he's had a really couple of strong games. I think probably there's definitely a correlation between that and track having quite a couple, probably getting a little bit more attention now after his blistering start. But what a game by Clary. Just just so strong in the contest. Just always willing to you know, make sure they're playing quickly, playing on getting in, doing the dirty work and the clearances. I mean, we had finished up with the 41 touches, 22 contested, which getting a tick over 20 contested possessions is almost becoming normality for him. And he's uh, just becoming more scary prospect, the fact of how young he is. I mean, he's still only 24. Like That's nuts. It, it's Isn't it? And he spent six years at the club. So we got, he, he got judged. He got to judge the best player under 25, which is, you know, a great, you know, great thing to have. And it, it is scary to know that he's only 24 and, you know, what he can, you know, produce. I can't remember who said it, but they, they're saying that, you know, he could be up there with the likes of Barassi and, you know, Robbie Flowers, you know, someone that's so strong at the Melbourne Football Club. So, Look, mate, if, if we continue the way we're going, you know, that he has a high potential to have such a huge impact on this football club, you know, as a strong midfielder. Let's let's go through a little bit more too, and that's actually to go with that Checker Hughes medal, they're claiming over 41 touches, which leads into the next thing, and that's Sam Wiedemann kicking three goals. Mate, I want a multi. <laughs> I want a multi. So the first one? First one, uh, first first D's one of the year. First D's. Yeah, we're we're loading up the account now, which is good. Yeah, I might have to bring back the segment after that win. Thanks, uh, thanks, Weed, and also Clary. Definitely, definitely is. Uh, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to get those back. But I think uh, I think Weedman, yeah, certainly took his chances in that. It was very highly probably publicised. Where T Mac was probably the unlucky one. I think we discussed last week. I think I'd like to say that being sort of close to the money in terms of. Weeds and T-Max role being probably much more similar than Weeds and Ben Brown. And we got a bit of a look at that now. Brown, oh, he might have kicked one on the weekend. Kicked one. Kicked one? Yeah, he kicked so, one, I think. Obviously, obviously, still searching for that potent combo and finding what works best. But that was our first look at those three this season as well too. So, interesting to see how he did. You'd probably say, well, especially his first goal was running into open goal and he nearly missed it in that sense. Like it almost, when it goes, <laughs> nutmeg the goal umpire actually, <laughs> went straight through his legs, which is pretty funny. But no, it's great to see him still competing really strongly and that's we know that the club backs him to do that. So it'll be interesting seeing come selection time, as you brought up earlier, with the COVID stuff, whether we see T-Mac come in but play a different role or I can't say Weed's losing his spot, definitely not at all, but then Jackson comes out, so... We've got to see how we're going to balance up there. Great to see Weeds, yeah, get a little bit of momentum and hopefully he can just string a few games together and that builds on his confidence because we know what a talented young player he is and we'd all love to see him in the side and just about finding, especially at this part of the season, finding that best combo that works. And we've got plenty of time to suss that out. So I guess that's one of those benefits. And, you know, you have a scenario like COVID is today, like that depth is going to come in super handy as we... As we're finding out, as we've already found out from our back line as well. To go hand in hand with that, Casey's 5-0. and So they're sitting at the top of the table. So it's good problems to have. You know, they're knocking on the door. So, yeah, as we said, selection time will be pretty interesting. Let's go through a little bit more about the game. And that's, you know, I think one key word here again this week is persistence. I think just, you know, constantly sticking to the task. I think uh, Dunstan come out and said it, you know, to say that, you know, we'll still... I think 1.3 goals, 14. And he just said, like, the, the fact that we could just continue, just roll on and not stay and keep level-headed. And I think I said to you, this was interesting because I actually sent you a message and you're like, 
hold on, we'll come, we'll come. And to to see that and to even see on the scoreboard, we're still kicking a heap of points, but still were quite well in control of the game, which was, you know, really good to see. And, you know, the fact that we could still <laughs> find a way to win with nine goals, 22, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, and it did. It got it it got pretty ugly in terms of just like the style of footy wasn't pretty to watch. It wasn't really any clean possession or I wouldn't say there's a lot of class going there as well, but especially in that third quarter, and I know we'll talk about that in a minute, but that was just where the will to move the ball forward, like keep pumping inside 50. Yeah, there was some pretty errant kicks inside 50. There's a few things that we certainly could have tidied up, but the fact that we were just able to keep the, the pedal on there and allow that sort of that full pressure that we're renowned for just to keep attacking and keep putting those Richmond backs under under siege sort of thing. It was uh, it was great to see. And as I said, Jonesy called it the damn ball's going to break, and it certainly did in that moment in that third quarter. So I think that eight minute you know really pocket where we kicked those five goals was just again just showing how we can flick the switch and just damage a team on the scoreboard there and, and really put the game to rest because they didn't look like scoring really much at all after that. And I thought the inside 50s was a big one. Like the first half, you know, Dees are hammering with inside 50s, but just not getting that reward on the scoreboard. And Richmond, especially towards the end of the second quarter, I think Richo made a good point on the broadcast. It was Melbourne shouldn't have been up at quarter time and Richmond shouldn't have been up at half time. And I think that was really true because it was... The Richmond's back into the second quarter where they kicked, what was it in the end? Uh, kicked 3-1 from eight inside 50s in the second quarter while the Ds kicked one goal six from 17 entries. So, and those three late goals for Richmond were, yeah, within those last sort of five, six minutes. So that was something that really, it didn't, the scoreboard didn't reflect probably what had happened that quarter. But, you know, when you're up, you're up. You know that's, that's it. <laughs> that that kind of reminds me of the 2019 season where, you know, we're getting a high amount of inside 50s, but getting zero value out of it. Um, but at least we get, we'll get in the scoring shots this time. But yeah. I, I think there was one, well, there was a game, I think we played in Geelong, and there was just a huge discrepancy with inside 50s, but we still got belted on the scoreboard. It's just like, I don't know what was going yeah. on there, but obviously yeah, now we've got about. that cohesion. But, yeah, at least we're still getting scoring shots, but that's yeah, that's trying it. to get so, some value. No, absolutely. Well, you look at how much that changed and, and when we're actually getting some reward on the scoreboard and being efficient with that. So the Ds booted six goals from their last 22 inside 50s, and that was at the start of the fourth quarter after kicking just three goals from their first 35 entries. So that gives you a bit of an understanding of how how quickly you know you keep keep up that intensity and you keep pushing forward and you keep going for it it's yeah it's they're going to sail through eventually and and that's what happened i thought bailey fritch was a really big indicator in that third quarter as well too and i thought he kicked he had a pretty quiet first half i think what notching up only a couple of disposals but then he kicked two back-to-back goals and then ended up setting up two of his own uh sorry two to his teammates as well especially that that handball over the handball to track, to track. track what the as hell well. richmond what were the richmond yeah. defenders doing there yeah, Crazy. I thought he, I thought his third quarter was was pretty inspiring. He took a great intercept mark as well too. In that, I think Richmond trying to switch at the end of the third quarter, wasn't it? And mm-hmm. he took a fantastic mark as well too. So great to see him talk about efficiency, making the most of his disposals. Hundred percent. And I think you know, it's interesting with Fritch because he pretty much has had quiet halves for the whole season, which is you know he's kind of like a third quarter specialist where that's when he does hit the scoreboard. I mean, he's what kicked fourteen for the year, I think. Yeah, 14, yeah, 15 before, for the year. Yeah, 12 before. Yeah. I think it was 12 before it'd the be, game. It'd be really interesting to see how many goals is kicked in the third quarter. I reckon probably at least 10. Wow, it, third... it'd, be, it'd be a gobsmacking stat because 
I mean, <laughs> to be honest, that's what's keeping him in the team. But his X factor keeps him in, his t- in the team too because he essentially plays like a fourth forward, but he's can play almost as a second forward because you know he's running leap at the footy. So yeah, poses a really really good uh, problem. Yeah, he, he definitely does. I don't think he, he wouldn't be in danger of losing his spot. I don't think he's just got too much. Uh, he can, he's just, as we said, can bob up and kick three, at, you know, within five minutes and maybe not do too much for the rest of the game. But again, mm-hmm. just providing that target Impact and taking, taking a good defender. Teams, opposition teams know how dangerous it can be. So, and you spoke about third quarters. I mean, Dees are yet to lose a third quarter yet this season. So, you called it last week and it's, you know, the premiership quarter. We saw what we did to the Giants and then yeah same things happened here so there's a bit of a pattern happening there a couple of just quick players I want to mention too before we move on to the defensive stuff I thought Tommy Sparrow I mean I loved his game big advocate of his we've been a big fan of his for a couple of years as well on the show He's exploding isn't he I think with Viney's absence slightly he just I think took it on board just to step up uh that yeah. extra mile and I just think the only I, yeah I was yeah. going to say the only string to his bow would be finishing his work because I think he might have kicked two or three behind. So I think that's the only thing, you know, we can knock him. But usually he's pretty good in he's, terms of making yeah. the most of those opportunities. So, yeah, 100%. I think he's, yeah, really starting to become a really important cog of that midfield crew and, you know, mm-hmm. that mid-forward type, um, which is, you know, he's only, he's only young as well. Um, I remember seeing his uh, unders performances i'm like this kid's gonna be a gun actually i reckon we, got, we had a steal and he was around the mid 30 pick so yeah great great recruiting and you've seen from what we've done in those 30 picks with rivers as well so yeah, that's it. awesome work by the days um he's yeah just his ability again to get all over the ground like was, like he gets back for spoils like some of his contest work people i mean it's a big comparison there's a few people on the socials comparing him to petrarca but the way that he was actually able to break out of a couple of tackles on Sunday night was pretty amazing as well, too. So, what are you showing me? What Look at that showing? time on ground. Oh, that well, that was the right. next thing I was going to bring it. No, sixty-eight percent game time, and he racked up twenty-four touches. Sixty-eight percent game time on, no, on the AFL it. app. It had forty-three minutes of one nineteen, and he's had twenty-four. No, yeah, no, no. It was that it was, can't be it right. Was wild. I've just looked that's, at it. That's before. nuts. Yeah, so that's nuts. Fact... So obviously, he's playing a little bit more of an inside role, and he's tanked still is trying to develop yeah but that's that's crazy that's a crazy stat yeah isn't it i thought uh langdon also we sort of uh didn't really touch on earlier i thought his game was pretty outstanding gathering 30 and kicked a goal uh i think four i reckon <laughs> well i was gonna say it's definitely one we, maybe we should keep a track on the out of fools 30 kicks oh. <laughs> <laughs> there was definitely there was at least one I reckon for sure. But no, I thought his game was great. Alex Neil Bullen again got a fair bit of the ball too, was pretty busy as well. And I thought his yeah, his, his pressure was always up to up to the standard that he always delivers. And yeah, I the next thing I want to talk about just our defensive efforts, I think I think we put down there, yeah, like they held them to thirty five percent efficiency and they normally average forty nine percent. So again, we're we're proving that teams are coming in, being able to be efficient inside or whether that's taking that inside fifty mark. And we're just shutting that down. And, and Richmond didn't really look like doing too much damage. The only probably only time that probably builds up a little bit momentum is when they're switching the ball and getting that overlap a little bit. We know that teams, we want teams to play slow. We want teams to, whether they're chipping it round or kicking it long. And there's a few times where, yeah, we've probably had trouble against some sides in the past. And maybe it's probably going back beyond last season when teams would play quicker 
they'd open up the corridor somehow and then you know moving the ball quite fast it doesn't allow defense to set up and you know you've got a ball flying in at you you're playing one-on-ones and that's probably sometimes we we get caught out richmond that's, did that's that what st kilda's doing that's what st kilda's you doing watch that's what st kilda's doing and that's that's the side that's a game i'm really looking forward to but yeah oh, that's in two weeks time but yeah but I thought, yeah, our, like, like they they shifted. We managed to, I just think, yeah, they're spread across the board and being able to, yeah, again, strangle, put that stranglehold on them. Keep Lynch and Rewalt to basically non-existent. Shy Bolton, like I thought Jaden's hunt on job on Shy Bolton was fantastic as well too. Very underrated. Having having it? a terrific season, by the way. I know you're a big fan of his and I've probably dogged him a little bit at, at times and think that his spot could have been questionable. But yeah, credit yeah. to him as well. I mean, yeah, exactly. And to know when Hibbert's coming back too, he's coming through the VFL. So he's wanting to be, you know, putting in strong efforts too. But I think he's been, he's been consistently doing great jobs on small forwards from the other team. I think he he's, yeah, he's really made that spot his own at this current stage. Uh, I, th- I honestly, and this is a big call, but to say that his spots, oh, sorry, Jared, oh, sorry, Trent Rivers' his spot is more in jeopardy than his at this current second. More so, I, d- I just think, just what he, just what Hunt's bringing to the table was yeah, a bit more, but that's a fair, I just think, yeah, Trent, Trent's just a little bit off. I think just more so his his disposal hasn't been his best, but that could be just a bit of confidence coming back from the knee injury and everything. That's so it, yeah. that'll be interesting to see. One last thing I want to touch on before we move on to the next thing, mate, is the scoring average against fifty eight point eight three, number one in the AFL, also being the sixth best in scores too as well. So you know, being really stingy on defense, it's it's just Deeds footy, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's a stranglehold. And there was, I think I saw a stat, which I might have sent to you uh, on the weekend, but I think 2019, we enabled 90 per game, then it was down to 80-odd. Then last year was around the high 60s, maybe low 60s. And now even to be dropping under 59, it's <laughs> that's under 10 goals a game, or, you know, 9, 10 goals a game, which is yeah, pretty unreal. And it's Jeez. keeping... Underneath that 15 per quarter, which Troy Chaplin in the back sort of, you know, keep themselves pretty, pretty accountable for that. So, yeah, they're doing the job, mate. Sure are, sure. And one last mention for while we're on the defensive side as well. So I thought Harry Petty probably played one of his best games for the club. I thought he was outstanding and looked... His first half. His, his first his, half was oh, incredible. Just all over the backman, intercepting spoils. And I, honestly, I also thought Smith played pretty well as well too. And we know that players coming back in, those roles are always going to be interchangeable and... And we've got depth coming in there, but he's he's done <laughs> absolutely no harm to his resume. I thought was uh, no harm. Was oh, nice one. <laughs> so no, great great to see Petty getting up and about. His confidence has got to be sky high at the moment, and just his ability just to, to take strong contested marks. He just looks a lot bigger. Like he's just his strength down there. Confidence he's, just uh, looks confident. Yeah. And back the club, they've they've been aware of that for quite some time, and. Mm. Not the same player, don't get me wrong, but you think that player, the team wants to invest games in these players and you think Dee's tried to do this to Oscar McDonald a few years ago because they obviously saw something in him. And there was that brief moment in time where Oscar was playing some a handful of pretty good games. He was right? pretty Defense. solid in 2018. Yeah. He so was pretty solid. It's uh, it's good to see Just that they're, got it. they're getting these games in <laughs> or when he wasn't kicking it. Yes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, it's great to see Pets up there. I think I think he's building towards having a, a really nice season. And again, uh, all things going well, he's going to keep that spot for the remainder of the year. I would say. I was 
I was lucky enough to touch him after the game, gave him a high yeah. five and a nephew as well. Good job. And Gorney. Yeah, I was surprised. I was, I was hoping to go to Gorney didn't get COVID because I was like, hmm. He was touching, I reckon he touched about 50 to 100 people's hands. So I'm just yeah. happy go, to touch Petty. I said you're a star. <laughs> I'm just going to go turn happy. off my timer. I've got my dinner in the oven. All right. Oh. <laughs> it's all right. It's under control. Told Google to uh, turn off the timer. All good. Dinner's, dinner's now, getting wait, ready. I'm surprised you stopped the recording because, yeah, what? you were getting pretty aggressive at Google. Oh, Google <laughs> was just trying I to should help have let you it go. <laughs> Didn't bloody listen to me, did it? No. Nah, have you got a Google Home? Can you talk to it? No, no, I don't. I can talk through my security. Um, so I can yeah. spring people if they're walking back. Rrr, rrr, and just scare them. <laughs> or your Uber Eats that you're ordering. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't mine. That got sent. <laughs> All right, well, cover the things that we love, and now it's to cover the things that we didn't so much love in our next segment, Pretty Pissed Off. Pretty, I'm pretty pissed, I'm pretty pissed off still. Um, it's not good enough. That's very unlike the way we've been playing and something that we'll obviously review and get better at. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not good enough today. Um, this team, this club's got to start winning games. All right, mate. Well, a lot of things were covered with... Yeah, you know, what we really liked about the game. Now, thinking about things we were pissed off about, and obviously the key one here is the wayward kicking. To go from 17-6, I think it was last week, to 9-22 is pretty gobsmacking on a relatively good night. Well, I think it was a great night. Maybe a little bit dewy, but that's about it. But 9-22, I think this comes down to... I mean, could be a bit of Richmond pressure, but also just where we're kicking or having shots on goal. And I think long points really, really do frustrate coaches I, I haven't heard any what goody said but long shots i mean could have easily centered them but look to be honest if we're still getting shots on goal and yeah to be honest it's, it's a hard it's a fine line do you know you, if you're in the right frame of mind to have a shot be my guest but obviously if there's a clear indication or clear target there we should be trying to look for it i think lowering your eyes did out sorry lowering our eyes did happen more so in the third quarter which i think we kicked 5 7 for the quarter i think it was so you know once that that sort of transpired i think we started getting a little bit more value um, but still 5 7 as opposed to 7 5 even would be pretty good but well i think it was just more so like the shots that we probably have been kicking in the past and probably not going to happen next week touchwood and we probably will still have the, the same opportunities. A positive side of it was the amount of opportunities, scoring opportunities that we were generating. And I think you look at the inside 50 count, 64, which is ahead of our average this year so far at 59. So I guess creating those inside 50s and, and getting reasonable looks, and we'll get onto reasonable looks in a minute. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, I think that we were certainly giving ourselves the best opportunity at times to score, and it was just us not capitalizing on that. And I think we've proven that we don't need to score big to win games. And to you win. brought up the score. Yeah, look at the Port game. Look at the yeah, Port well, game. Well, that's right. 10, we kicked 10-8 against Port. The 68 fact, and we won a game of footy. The fact that we're even sitting sixth for points four is probably a little bit surprising given that we haven't kicked massive stingy. scores. We're, or We're stingy <laughs> bastards. 100% stingy <laughs> bastards. Well, you know what they pride themselves on. The next thing I sort of want to go on from that, and it was probably that moment in the third quarter where things were starting to sort of unravel for Richmond and the Ds were just being able to get... You know, goal after goal, but there were certainly a few opportunities there that I thought we could have capitalized on a little bit more. And that was just a few players, I think, maybe thinking, oh, I want to get into the action and, and roosting a couple from outside 50 where we certainly had options inside 50. Like, have you got another pun for me? No, your face no. is 
No? Okay. We'll definitely, <laughs> we'll definitely off track with our shots on goal. Oh, come on, mate. <laughs> well, speaking of, Petrarco had one. I think Langdon had one from, from a couple. And you can just... It's happened in the past. Players stand there with their with their arms out. Clary's pretty good at this. You know, why didn't you hit me up? Why didn't you hit me up? Just a couple of those opportunities when the ball was rolling and we were really getting that run on. I think if they review the footage, they'd be looking at that and being, I think here we've got open players here, 30, 40 in front. And also, just quickly, what's with the... The... High, is it? It's not a high percentage shot on goal if you're kicking out to... The boundary line, which we know, you know, Ben Brown, Bailey Fritch. Do you know what? Third quarter. Third quarter, well, being at the Melbourne end, which was a city city end. I was thinking the exact same thing. And I, I don't know if you had a bit of a chuckle about Dogger's drop chest mark. But, like, that baffled me. But, like, yeah, a lot of the time we are going quite wide. But do you know, it's, it's more, it's a defensive kick. Yeah. So what what we try and instill in our team too, it's you know point post extended. We're trying to kick to the point post in line with the point post, to, so then it's easier to defend, and then our defense can um, can structure up. And that's you know I think that's what we're trying to instill. And do you know what? I think we actually not too bad from the boundary. We, we're in not. This day and age, You're right. In this day and age, you know a lot of you know a lot of the players take those shots at training, etc. So yeah, I mean you know if we're able to ca- capitalize on those shots, be my guest. Um, but a lot of the time, which is a little bit of an issue, is a lot of people flying for the same footy, and that happens countless times, both in forward and back. Not as bad in the back line as what it used to be. I know Lever and May, when they started, they used to jump into, into each other a lot. Um, I think they've definitely shored that up a little bit, but especially in the forward line, I think a lot of the time you see Wiedemann, Brown, Jackson, like they all fly for the same thing. I mean, yes, I mean, we've got a great crumbing sort of, you know, brigade there, but I just, I don't know. What are your, What's your take on that? Because, I mean, you're seeing all your tall forwards go for it. Would you rather them stay down? Because, I mean, not a lot of them can have a huge impact. I mean, Gorney thinks he's a rover at the moment, which he actually is a pretty good at his ground balls, surprisingly. No, probably not so much as Ben Brown. I thought Ben Brown's groundwork was pretty impressive. <laughs> on Sunday night as well. Oh, look, those players are going to continue to you know, to work on the cohesion going forward. And again, what with that forward line changing up a fair bit, they'll, they'll figure it out. And I, we've had a pretty good mix so far. So they'll know, you know whether they're spoiling each other. I think we brought that up the other week as well too. But then you've got the small forwards that are going to come in and capitalise on that ball being brought to ground as well. Weed's job, I think, particularly is to be strong airily in the air and strong airily in the air. Listen to that. <laughs> to down. Do you know, there's a big thing as a forward, I mean, as, especially as a key forward, you're trying to win that five-metre battle. If you're able to bring it down to ground within the five metres, you're doing the job. But yeah. if it goes outside of that five metres, you're out of that, you know, that one-on-one contest win. But then again, like, I mean, we get taught and in the, anywhere in that five-metre battle, you hit that. And Wiedemann does that quite a fair bit and so does Brown. So, I mean, yes, if we're, a lot of people are flying for the same thing, but still bringing it to ground within that five-metre radius... So be it. As long as we're not getting absolutely carved up out the other side or um, at ground level, um, yeah, yeah, let it roll. Because if we've got those type of fellas climbing for the footy, what the hell is the defense going to do? Yeah, no, that, potentially that's potentially way a free kick. You never know. So no, that's right. Don't All know right. who's going to fly for it. Last, last little bit before we finish up. Joel Smith just handball to the correct teammate, not the person on the other on the other side. Oh, of the... <laughs> that was to Tom Lynch, <laughs> wasn't it? Side. Yep. I almost yep. threw up seeing that. Yeah, so, yeah. No, and we're going to finish it there. (laughs) Thanks.
Well, mate, here we go. We've got the Hop In Delightful Display Award of the Year, mate. And look, to be honest, this week was a pretty tough one. There's a lot of performances which, you know, some outside supporters might not have noticed. And I'm going to start the ball rolling with Harrison Petty for one vote. I think he was completely outstanding. I think to have 13 at halftime, um, just really controlled the back line there um, with May not doing a whole heap and also with Lever out as well. I think he stood up really well. Yeah. And yeah, funnily enough, my one vote goes to Petty as well. And you pretty much summed it up perfectly there. So I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. Smashing it. All right. Two votes goes to Jake Bowie. I think the bloke's a star. Um, we've got Caleb Daniel 2.0 here and we are loving it. <laughs> Absolutely. The undefeated champion of the world as uh, <laughs> Damon Lamb yeah. fixes it. I'll tell you what, he, <laughs> that's the press conference about the Ute. I thought that was a pisser. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> uh, unreal. Unreal. Oh, who he got deserves, two, he deserves three votes for that. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, my two votes goes know. to Tommy Sparrow. Just again, so impressed Love about him. the maturity of this bloke and enjoying seeing him progress into a really integral part of this football club. And I think that in Vine's absence and he's going to continue to find his, his role inside there. And But he shows that he can be very versatile as well too. Yep. Great one, mate. My three votes, and I said to you before that this would be you know pretty interesting for you to see, but um, James Harms, three votes. And not go, doesn't go for much of his offensive side. It's his defensive side. There was one push where um, I saw him probably about 15 metres behind a Richmond player and it, the Richmond players or Richmond player had it on the halfback line. 15 metres behind, made up that ground, stopped that, you know, that transition, um, was able to get a turnover as well. So just little things like that. He also had the six tackles to go with 16 touches. And I think James Harms' defensive game has definitely improved this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. In my three votes, well, it was hard to go by him. And that's Clara Hughes. Uh, Clara Hughes. <laughs> Clara Hughes. <laughs> Clara Hughes, the new medal. Clayton Oliver. I think just, again, like it's so dynamic with the ball and just our a premier ball winner at the moment and just building off a couple of huge games. And it's just marveling at what this young man can do at such a young age and like the fact that his, you know, his potential and his superstardom already, it's not his potential, the fact that he's so good at such a young age. It's just did you see in the, just to touch on Clary as well, did you see in the fourth quarter here he just literally walked out of a stoppage in our D50? It's just... That was it's nuts. just normal. He did, I think he sidestepped what, two blokes and just, yeah, just strolled out. Yeah. It was unreal. No, no. He's, uh, unreal. We're, we're getting way too used to it. <laughs> there. All right. One, one, one of track or him's down and whew, the other yeah. one comes up. That's it. Oh, that's our delightful display for round six. Thanks, Simo. Well, Simo, we are the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans, and we wouldn't be here without our loyal listeners. And it's time to hear their thoughts in our next segment, Fugazi. People only commenting on what they see, um, but internally, it's Fugazi. Can you do with your best uh, Matthew McConaughey impression from the <laughs> No, I can't, but it's, uh, it's goes something like Fugazi, it's Woozy, it's Wazi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Well, plenty of talking points for the game. Our first one comes from Mario Renzella from Facebook. Says, shocking kicking for goal. Missing so many easy shots. But on the flip side, good enough to get the win. Go Ds. Nothing to be said nice. to that. I think it uh, epitomizes <laughs> our season. 100%. Next one comes in from Alan Bain. Uh, Jordan out. Hunt changed to the opposite wing to Langdon. Bring in Lever. Out Smith. Give Bedford a run or Van Roonen. Now it's going to be interesting come selection time. We're going to cover that in our Oppo watch in one week at a time later on. 
Uh, Gary Little, uh, regular listener of the podcast, chimes in with Clara's game and the big improvement from Hunt. And I, I love that he gave that recognition to Hunt because it's probably something that's slid under the radar a little bit. Certainly got that uh, fire in the belly after missing the flag last year. 100%. Next one comes in from Corey Dodrell. Interesting to see footage on Facebook last week of Melbourne training, playing soccer. No wonder we couldn't kick goals last night. And oval-shaped ball is is used in games, not a round ball. Perfect perfect using a sharing before wasting time with a round ball training. Personally, <laughs> that's a that's an interesting one because like, I think just morale, I think just I, I personally, if I've played soccer at, at training, I mean, it's something a little bit different and something to keep the, you know, the, the interest there. So like, um, I mean, yeah, it could have gone away, like potentially, I mean. And next one comes from Ian Johnson. Having excessive shots at goal from wide out near the boundary line, up the guts going inside the arc occasionally might help. Key forwards must demand the ball more often. Ability to outrun opposition by swarming is elite. We'll take the win. Yeah, pretty straight to the cut. Um, next one comes in from Chris and Joanne. Bowie's third quarter tackle, and that was on Matt Parker. And gee, it was nice to watch, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it so was. It was uh, for such a little man, like he seems like oh, a little man from where we are. Packed a punch. <laughs> oh, unreal. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact, yeah, he got a nice introduction to coming in onto the ground, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's it. And our last one for this week comes in from Brent Marshall. Says, still don't know what our best front, well, I'm saying, I'm thinking four to seven combo is, but the thought of finding it is tantalizing. Getting smarter about predicting how opposing teams will defend against that seven. And we don't have Brown, Weed, Gorn, Dogger, and Fritch all flying in the same pack. So funny, echoes a few things that we've already mentioned. But I think, again, having that flexibility, being able to change it up, especially keeps teams guessing and, you know, does have forces them to kind of reflect on their game plan and sort of see how they're going to target with different pieces moving forward. So awesome. Thanks to everyone that contributed to that and another week of Fugazi done and dusted. Uh, we're, we're pleased with where we sit. We understand there's going to be some hype around how we're playing, but we also want to just take it, you know, one week at a time. And, and coaches say that a lot and, and people, and it's just the reality. You can't look too far ahead. Here we go, Tim. Oh, little Timmy. It is our time. It's my favourite time of the week. Little Timmy, it is my t- my favourite time of the week, and that's one week at a time. Look, mate, and I've been I've been really sweating on this one because I'm looking forward to unpacking it because I hate these dogs. I hate Hawthorne with a passion. And let's let's get stuck into it. Um, so we play Hawthorne Saturday afternoon at the G Melbourne home game, I believe. 4.35 start, unfortunately can't make it, which I'm spewing, so I might have to roll into the pub or something after after my game up against Worry, which would be good fun. Coming up against the Hawks, who have actually surprised a lot of people this year, sitting three and three, ninth place. A um, few good wins, a couple of really dismal losses. I mean, to start five goals up against the Swans, and the Swans, to be honest, are a premiership contender this year, especially top four as well. And, uh, yeah, they got blown out of the park, so they'll be looking to make amends. Um, and th- that win against the Cats, that should prove, you know, they play the MCG quite well. So we've got to be, you know, we've got to be right on the ball from the early start. And only, just really only just lost to uh, only just lost to Carlton as well, too. After yes, yeah, taking back a fifty-point lead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So pretty amazing. Look, I think this week, I think you know, with the, all these changes, and obviously, it's going to be interesting to see how you know things are shuffled staffing-wise. Obviously, with Uze, which well, he was one of my crowd, fa- one of my 
favourites growing up as a kid. So it'd be pretty cool to see him in the coach's box. He said his role might, won't change much. It's just a matter of shuffling the roles. So shuffling the magnets, some may say. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how we unpack that. And it's also going to be interesting what happens tomorrow at the selection table because we're going to see it full frontal. It's someone like Bedford, he's been the sub five weeks in a row. Does he get his opportunity finally to flourish? Or does Chandler of some good form come in? Lever and Viney ready to come back. So you've got our three players, unfortunately, got the spicy cough. You've got Cozzy, Dogger, Sparrow. I mean, he'd be spewing about Sparrow because he's in some ripping touch. No, spewing for all of them. I mean, Dogger's been a little bit off the last couple of weeks, but hopefully these boys, you know, it's their health number one and they get themselves back right in that seven days. Look, to be honest, these, this is what I reckon will happen, mate. I think Cozzy out for like for like. I think Chandler or Bedford get that role. I think T-Mac comes back in for Dogger with Wiedemann to go as a second ruck. I know he does that a lot when he does play VFL and backs backs up Magic Door. So I think he can really flourish in that role, really, you know, throwing his weight around and hopefully he can have an impact in more ways than one. And I think finally comes back for Sparrow which obviously that leaves um, Dunson the side, which would be good for him to get a second crack at it. And then also probably leave it for Smith. Unfortunately, Smith didn't do anything wrong. It's just a matter of, you know, how the cookie crumbles, unfortunately for him at this current side uh, state, you know, he and Tomlinson kind of battling there, but you know, like for like, I think, I mean, you can't not have an all Australian player in the side. So yeah, poses a lot of questions, but I think we'll probably see four or five changes this week, mate. Yeah, yeah, I could easily see that there. Uh, the only other thing I'd probably say, well, I'd be leaning towards Bedford rather than Chandler, I think, just given the fact that he's been the sub the last few weeks. I think they'd be itching to get him in the side, given that. So maybe Chandler comes that, in as a yeah. sub or maybe a Malksham type who's, you know, obviously has proven proven himself as a D and, you know, he's kind of like the forgotten man, to be honest, at the Ds. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's had a couple okay games in the VFL. It's yeah, He's one of those players that probably plays okay in the VFL, but when he steps up to AFL, it's, you know, probably get the same output or input from him. So yeah, he's another one which poses a question. Malcolm's probably an interesting one as well too, because if you're thinking Viney, who's been playing sort of that half-forward role as well, as well a little bit, you know, rolling forward and getting his getting himself, you know, a goal game this year, and, and Sparrow can do that as well. Dunstan, I'm not quite sure as a goal kicker whether he fits that Loves purpose. So Melksham can kind of fit both of those molds a bit. He can play inside yeah. mids. He's obviously not as quick as some of those other boys there, but he's certainly got the experience and can, got, uh, got the now to find the middle of the stick. So could be, yeah, could be an interesting turn to get him back in the side as well. But yeah, besides that, I think the rest of it, you're yeah, pretty much covered there. So I think players like may probably line up on Mitchie Lewis. I think he's been playing some pretty good footy. He's playing good footy. Always got Gunston and Bruce to worry about as well, which I think, you know, Smith, they do love playing on those more athletic forwards. And even though Gunston's on the other end of 30, he still poses a bit of a threat as well. Not only is that, I think there's a there's another player named Dylan Moore who's been hitting the scoreboard quite frequently. I think he's another one to be to be wary of, and also you know T- Tom Mitchell obviously been an accumulator. I mean doesn't get doesn't damage you really that much, but you know someone still needs to go to him because you know he gets himself in the right spots at the right times. And yeah, I think it's another one of those games where it's going to be you know pretty much always starts you know from the midfield, and I think just. Especially with Gorn, I think Gorn's going to, you know, he'll probably ruck 80, 85% of the game. So I think coming up against Max Lynch, you think we're going to get a lot of ascendancy there. And probably the thing we need to be really worried, or not really worried about, but weary of is, you know, their on bowlers really sharking it off us. I mean, 
that Jai Newcomb starting to play some good footy as a young player as well. So those really tough inside players are going to make it a little bit harder for you know, for your track, for your Oliver's Viney's coming back. So it's going to be an interesting battle. I think we can really stretch them. I think we'll Sicily down back, CJ coming back in potentially as well. So, you know, they've got a good young core. I think, you know, they're going to test us. But I think, again, it's another one of those games where you just find a way to get the four points and get the job done. I think um, from this point onwards, I think we win probably between the four and five goal mark. I think. Nice one. Yep. Have, can't agree with you more there. I think somewhere around about that four or five goal mark. I, I think they'll, you know, really put up the challenge in the first half and they're a really energetic young side who have got plenty of legs in that sense. But I think our experience is just going to, yeah, be be the difference in that sense. And hopefully, yeah, you see Uze strut his straps there and, and probably have that bit of inside knowledge as well too against his former club there. So, no, nah, big game. And at the home at the G, yeah, you can't can't put a foot wrong there. Yeah, seven and eight will look nice, won't it? <laughs> Always. All right, Simo. Well, that's it for another week, mate. It's uh, yeah. Anzac Day is done and dusted. D's are still undefeated. Loving watching uh, boys run out and just, yeah, get the business done. It's a, <laughs> a very relaxing first, feeling. First game for you this week, mate. First game. Oh, I wasn't going to say anything. Finally got a taste, <laughs> Bert, finally got a taste for it. Finally mate, got a taste for it. Family life. It's, uh, yeah, finding that balance there. But no, it was great. Well, obviously, I didn't have the uh, didn't have the choice in that round one. And Tell, and tell us something. What did you do afterwards? Did you celebrate? I did, I did. We did, uh, and you like this. It did end up in the royal line for about two minutes, and then the boys decided it was too hard to uh, to get in. So then we've uh, ended up at Holly Ava and had a few beers after that. So that was good. Yeah, nice. Cross the road for to Hollywood Pizza and and down myself a uh, bit of a nibble before I jumped on the train and headed home. So no, it was a, it was pretty good. It was a uh, yeah, a good fun night, and yeah, great to be part of that crowd and that atmosphere. But. But thank you again, mate. And uh, big thanks to our sponsors, Hopham Brewing. Uh, make sure that you can check out our podcast. You can subscribe to them on Spotify, Apple, or Google. You can feel free to leave a review or feedback on Twitter, uh, Facebook, or Instagram. You can shoot us an email at attentiontodetailpod at gmail.com. I was just a special shout out. I had the boys from uh, Valley Electrical Group do some work around the house. Brendan, the director at Valley Electrical Group, is a big D's fan, listens to the podcast, and just thought I'd give him a bit of a shout-out because his boys did fantastic work in uh, hooking up power to the shed, which uh, might soon become the podcast studio, Simo. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're underway. It's uh, being able to hopefully not be dictated by the times of child going to bed, child's children, one child going to bed. Or dogs. So, yeah, it'll be nice to have that. So, yeah, make sure if you are in need of any of electrical services, check out Valley Electrical Group. You can find them on Facebook or Instagram or just on your website as well. And, yeah, give Brendan a call. He'll look after you, especially as a D's man. So, Simo, thanks again, mate. Looking forward to, yeah, the rest of the week. Back at work. We're back to the grind after a couple of weeks' holidays. So, yeah, good to get stuck into it. I tell you what, before we do finish, I've got a little bit of intel here. This is going to be, oh, actually, it's something cool to share. Episode 50 next week. It is. Episode 50, which is Woo. a monumental. I mean, we racked up the half ton. And yep. funnily enough, on Monday, I'm actually at one of my schools. We've got Hawthorne players coming. Oh, so nice let's, one. Be, 
let's be hoping that I can not really rub salt in the wound, but <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we get some players that play on Saturday. We can, um, yeah, have a nice little chat about how the D's are tracking and get some intel for the potty. I get think the, uh, cool. get the phone recorder going, man. get the phone out. <laughs> no, I'll no, no, just on you... spot. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Just have a recording in your pocket. Just, you know, a little slide, like, you know, undercover. That is bloody pretty slide, good. mate. <laughs> stupid poos. Oh, well, you never know. Then, nah, well, they'd be in front of kids, so I'm sure they wouldn't say anything silly, but no, nah, it sounds good. No, nah, very exciting. But no, next week is the big 5-0 and looking forward to it. We'll have to have something special planned, no doubt. Too easy. All right, mate. Well, most importantly, go the D's. Go the D's.